You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello everybody, welcome back to The Essential Apple, and this week uh, I'm joined yet again by Nick, hello Nick. Hi Simon. And I'm joined once again by Jim, now on his shiny new M1 Mac Mini, hello Jim. Ooh. Hi. And <laughs> currently sitting with a big hammer waiting to hit it with. <laughs> <laughs> it just works. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. I think we were talking before the show, and uh, Jim was telling about some of the uh, problems he's had. Um, I think we're going to put that in the after show rather than go through it all again during the show. Mm. But um, there we go. What have we got this week? Well, of course, um, 1st of July, there were uh, public betas for the Watch OS. Uh, iOS, iPadOS, uh, tvOS, um, I'm not sure about the HomePod, but anyway, there you go. There's uh, public betas available for all of those, and me, being the loon I am, went straight on to iOS 15 on my phone and uh, watchOS 8 on my watch. Um, I'm not doing the Monterey uh, public betas, which came out, I think, the following day because Rogue Amoeba don't support that yet, so I wouldn't be able to podcast. So um, lots of people are cheering and going, do it, do it, but never mind, you're out of luck. Um, Lots of stuff in there, so we've got some stuff to talk about about those. And uh, what else happened this week? Um, There's some stuff, we've got some stuff about Windows 11, because that's, um, you know, in the news. Yes, I was just about to say, we, we all... We chatted about Windows 11 after the show last week, didn't we? <laughs> mm. Yes, so I put a little we bit. A chat about that again. We put a little bit in the after show, just me and you, after um, after Steve had had to leave. Um, they seem to be having a, lit- a few little problems. They do, don't they? Mm. Yep. So we can talk about that, um, and we've got a couple of technology stories. Um, so uh, I guess we will kick off with the obvious, which is there are public betas of Monterey um, iOS 15 slash iPad OS 15 and uh, Watch OS 8. Um, if you want to run the Watch OS 8 beta, you have to upgrade to iOS 15 and be warned, you cannot go back on the watch. If you install it on your watch, that is it. You are stuck. There is no going back. So there you go. Now, the public service announcement, be very sure you're prepared to risk running beta software on your watch. For most people, probably don't do it. There you go. But I'm no. a loon. I'm a loon. <laughs> um, it probably wouldn't even run on my uh, Series 2, would it? Uh, no, you need a Series 3. And I was really surprised, actually, when they announced that the Series 3 would, would accept, uh, uh, you know, Watch OS 8. So there you yeah. go. Um, and it took ages and ages. When I first uh, started it, my phone told me it was going to take 14 hours to download and install. 
Um, it didn't actually take. It didn't actually take fourteen hours to download and install, but it it's, a, a it's a two hundred and sixty terabyte download. <laughs> yeah, it took an awful long time, um, and I know a lot of people have repeatedly uh, complained about this problem. If you've got an older um, Apple Watch, that when you get an update, it says there's insufficient space. Um, now, obviously, because I tend to run the betas, I do more updates than, you know, the average person, um, because you tend to get an update to the betas every week to two weeks. I found quite early on that if I restart the watch, then restart the phone, and then initiate the um, update for the watch, it works without all this rigmarole of, you know, there's not oh, enough right. space and unpair your watch and wipe it and then install the update and then, and then you know, um, redo it again and put all your stuff back on, repair it, which takes ages, right? It's the right fag, don't... I Although I don't have very much on my watch, I will admit. Yeah, I've got a few basic apps. Well, I mean, what comes with it and a, a very few basic other things. I've got a weather app and a um, couple of other t- like tiny little uh, utilities. But early on, I did keep getting this thing saying um, insufficient space and you need to unpair and repair. But I only once was I actually forced to do that. Also, um, as the betas went along, Apple seemed to do something which stopped it keep reporting insufficient space. So I don't know if they got right. smaller or well, if they the, figured out the Mac a way to make and it. Forth guys, yeah, one yeah. of the back and forth guys was saying, wasn't he, that he'd had that very problem. Mm. And if you do do the unpair and repair, it is the right drag, uh, especially on an older watch. It takes forever. Um so, yeah, there's, that's my tip. If you have an older watch and you want to do an update, restart the watch, restart the phone, um, and then do the update. And you more likely than not, unless you've got a lot of stuff on your watch, like photos or music or something, you should be able to do it without it giving you that yeah. problem. It's the old turn it off and turn it on again. <laughs> yes, indeed it is. It is. But uh, that's worked for me ever since I... Um, the one time when I had to unpair and repair where I could not make it do it any other way. Um, so I've not suffered from that a great deal, and I have Series 3 watch, so it's pretty old. Um, there you go. Uh, and I put iOS 15 on my phone, um, which is quite natty. Um, not had any problems, uh, but I wouldn't recommend you, it for most used people. Any, have you used any of the new features or the new stuff, or have you not? Um not really um i mean i've obviously you're you get the new version of safari um on the phone which is quite a lot different and the one thing that really really annoys me most of the other stuff i can probably learn to live with but one thing that really really annoys me is they've now hidden the share button under a you know a three dot oh right more yeah, stuff i can see how that might be annoying and um <laughs> Uh, well, I just listened to Bar earlier on today, and and they were saying the same. You know, don't hide the share button. It's the one most people use because you're, yeah. you know, you're in Safari and you come across you a story. Something, you think, oh, I'll let I'll let Joe Bloggs know about that. Yeah, or I'll put it on Twitter, <laughs> or I'll post it to Slack, or whatever else it is. So now, yeah. instead of going share, and then it t- saying, what do you want to share to? Um, now you have to tap a thing and then you get a whole load of other stuff and then you have to tap share and then you get the what do you want to share with. I shall be sending feedback on that. Um, I shall be sending it's feedback. Just part of the, it's just so, part of yeah. the problem with adding lots and lots. Of, I mean, we all love new features, but the more features they add, the more complex it gets. Mm. And, you know, what 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 is uh, what one person needs um, 
access to you know surfaceable so they can see it another person wouldn't and it, i mean basically you're always going to upset you're going to upset some people somewhere aren't you yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do yes but. you are and you know i understand the idea of you have this you know little three button thing that exposes all of the kind of options but um i don't like the share button being hidden in there um yeah it's difficult as i say i'm it's not that I'm making an excuse for Apple because I think Apple need to think carefully about their interface design. And, and you know, they always have, but that they haven't always done the right thing in, in the eyes of a, a lot of people. No, <laughs> They've done what they think is right and it isn't always. So keep working away at that interface design, Apple. Indeed. I mean, for the, um, for the Mac... Uh, in the you know technology preview of, of Safari, the share button is still amongst the little icons on the top bar, along with your tabs. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it also appears in the uh, little pop out as well. Yes, it does under the three dots. But if you, I'm, I don't know if you have to add it. I mean, mine might have been in there already, but you can certainly do it with the um, modify the toolbar. If you right click in the toolbar, you get um, customize the toolbar, which allows you. To... Yeah, I can see. I can see it on my toolbar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of the stuff on the um, on the Safari technology preview, I've got used to. Um, I mean, we talked about it last week, and I've pretty much got used to that. I'm still not used to the bloody address bar wandering about. And I sent Apple, I sent Apple a feedback on that, saying, "Look, I don't like that, and it might not be too bad on my little 13-inch screen." But as I said last week, you know, if you put it on your ultra-wide monitor, Nick, and you've got a whole load of tabs open, that's going to get pretty ugly pretty soon. Um, it does do the same, doesn't it? It does the same. You you have the three dots. Yes. Um, in, in the technology preview, and there is a share. It's just that, as you say, you can move some of those up to the top. Yeah. Which, it, But uh, presumably the reason they haven't done that with a phone is space. Though. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. The other thing yeah. on the phone is in the new Safari, you get this thing with the sort of address search bar is at the bottom. And then when you, you type in it, and then it pings up to the top, it, it's a bit right. strange. Um. But that could just be mm. shock of the new. I'm not. I'm not going to judge that until I've used you tried it. it out thoroughly. <laughs> until I've got more used to it. I've only been using it like a day. So. Um, oh right. I can't. You know. I can't say. I mean. I did notice that when you go into Control Center, for example, um, the button that used to be Do Not Disturb is now like Do Not Disturb and or Focus. So you can you know set up work focus, yeah. set up private focus, set up this that and the other. Other than that, I haven't I haven't really noticed huge differences. I'm sure there's loads of stuff in there, but you, I must you know, admit when I watched around. the um, yeah when I watched them announcing it, I I did think that there were probably quite a lot of things that I said, oh that's clever, oh I like that. I'll probably never use it, but I like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people with these releases is they are they are incremental releases and. You know, it might be that 90% of what they've just released, you're never going to use or you'll only ever use once. Yeah, you know. But that's um, not a bad thing. I mean, that's just, yeah, it's just one of those things. Was that the ellipse buttons you were talking about? Yes. Yes. Right. Um, so I see you've got an article here that said, should you install the OS 15 public beta? Here's what to consider from yes, 9 to 5, Matt. Indeed. So, um, I mean, I've got several links. I've got... Um, Mac OS Monterey Public Beta. What's it like using the new OS, um, which is from uh, Input Mag. Uh, we've got 
Uh, Apple launches public beta of Mac OS Monterey, uh, bringing updates to FaceTime and Safari from The Verge. Um, and then for iOS 15 hands-on, top five new features from uh, Marcus Brownlee on YouTube. Um, yes, the one you're talking <laughs> about, which is 9 to 5 Mac. Should you install the Mac, I, uh, the iOS, sorry, the iOS public beta, here's what to consider. And the, the short answer, I would say for most people is no, don't. Yeah, just no. don't do it. Don't. Yeah, I mean it's got some interesting it's got some interesting headings. It's got backup, Apple's warning, what bugs to expect, third party apps. I like this one. Consider trying on a spare device first, because we've all got loads of spare Apple devices hanging around yeah, <laughs> that we don't use. We've got, we've all got, you know, just two or three iPhones. <laughs> two and... or three iPhones and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean if you're a dev, I'm sure you have, you know what I mean? Oh but... yes, yeah, yes, you probably are. But yeah. You know, for average person, no. Um, I would say stay you know, away. Step away from the dev. <laughs> well, just yeah. You know, I'm a loon. I like to do this stuff because I'm a bit crazy, and I've never really run into a massive problem running the betas. Um, no, that's right. You just had the odd, the odd little glitch, but yeah, it hasn't uh, stopped you doing day to day work on them. So. No, it hasn't. But then again, you know, I don't. I wouldn't describe any of my devices as mission critical because no. they're my personal devices. I mean, if my phone right. went well, belly I don't think up, any of us use our Macs for our work. So, I mean, if my is... phone went belly up, it would be a pain, but I could always just, you know, reset it, remove the public beta profile and just yes. reinstall the previous version. And reinstall every... Well, yeah, because it's, it's like most things these days. It, they just build themselves pretty much, don't they, when you set them up? Yeah, you know, you log in with your I was iPhone quite surprised when I bought an Android phone, you know, a number of years ago. That, you know, the, the experience is very similar on Google as well. Yeah, you know. Just, they just... Put, just put your Google details in and it just sort of... It, suddenly you've got your phone back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so from that point, but for most people, you know, I'm a long time Mac user. I've had an iPhone since the first iPhone. Um, I consider myself to be fairly versed in how to get out of a pickle if I get myself in one. But for yeah. most people, let's face it, it's not that long a wait. It will be coming out in probably September. So, yes, you know what? You're going to have to wait. I don't be know. sensible, people. <laughs> sure you know if you want to do it it's available but you know buyer beware and all those other caveats um it's it's beta software for a reason you know there will be bugs things will break um and i don't have an extensive library of you know apps that do weird and wonderful things I, my stuff is pretty basic you know i've got wire and twitter and that sort of thing um there we go. Uh, what else have we got? Um, this is a typical Forbes OTT headline here. Serious warning issued for millions of Apple iPhone users. Right. Um, this is actually not a terrible um, article, but it does have a typical Forbes OTT headline. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the Wi-Fi yes. SSID thing, isn't it? Yes. It's, yeah, yeah it, it's a problem if you've got someone who's trying to attack your network from outside. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that might be quite obvious that they're trying to do that. Well, what, they've, um, what they're saying in this is um, that it, it could, be explo could be exploited to do worse things than um, initially, originally thought. Because originally it crashes your Wi-Fi stack and you have to clear your network settings and, you know, start again. Um, however... It's only an issue if you're actually going to put that SS, 
ID on your machine, and you'd be well if you try and join it. Place anyway. you know, if you try and join it, but oh, is it, it just if you join it? Yes, if yes. Not if you actually set it, you don't create it. Oh, right, it. If you create it, it's fine. It's when people try and join it, it crashes the stack. Um, well, then don't join it. Yeah, don't join. <laughs> don't join. Solution. Well, this is what I said when we discussed it before. Don't join. Don't join SSIDs with bizarre. That you don't recognise. <laughs> yeah, don't. Or just that you don't recognise. If you didn't yeah. create it, don't join it. Or whatever. <laughs> um. This guy is saying, consider the case where there would be a way to hide the part of the network name where a very long URL or host name is used that displays only partially in the address bar, right? Uh, okay, that's um, possible. iPhone has a support for multi-line SSIDs, meaning an attacker could potentially create a network name whose first line is legit and second line contains the specially crafted format string. Um, and then this can be used to attack you. But again, basically, don't so, go joining yeah. weird and wonderful SSIDs. Stay away from those cafes. <laughs> Well, you know, stay away from those cupboards and join, don't join foreign Wi-Fi networks. I'm pretty sure, you know, if you go and join the Starbucks, you know, free Wi-Fi or Asda's Wi-Fi or Tesco's Wi-Fi or whatever, you're fairly safe, you know. But don't, you know, be careful. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Um, yeah. So it, it's not a bad read, and it explains how it could possibly be used in a malicious way. But um, I, love, I love the way I love the way the title says: "Serious warning issued for millions of Apple iPhone users." Well, that's because there are millions of Apple iPhone users, and they've issued the warning to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, uh, Shulman's firm focuses on airborne attack security and his claims should be viewed in that context. In other words, it's in his interest to scare people rigid about an yeah, attack, yes. which is actually probably pretty unlikely. Um, so there we go. That's um, that's one of those. Um, and then we've got some Windows Thanks. 11 stuff. We might come back to that. I'll tell you what we, I would like to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. There's two on here I've got. The Affinity 1.10 sneak peek on YouTube, which was um, Ashley Hewson. Um, I don't know if you saw, I posted this in the um, in Slack when it popped up. Um, it's amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Um, it's not a very long, not a very long video. It's about five minutes long, uh, and it's Ashley Hewson showing you the improvements that they are making to um, performance in what will soon be released, which will be the Affinity Update 1.10. And to demonstrate the improvements, what he's got, he's got a document with 600,000 layers. Goodness gracious. Yes, just process that for a moment, (laughs) okay? And what he does is he shows you the performance of it uh, in 1.9. He admits he's using an M1 Mac Mini, and he shows you that, you know, when you zoom in on, on this 600,000 layer document on 1.9, it gets a little bit laggy between drawers. And if you try and, um, you know, pan the window around, you will get uh, pixelated edges as it, you know, catches up and redraws all the objects. And then he opens the same document in 1.10 and demonstrates that it is like basically silky smooth and no lag whatsoever. Um, now you might think, oh, lovely, you know, this is uh, this is good. This proves the M1 is super fast. And then he tells you that they have achieved uh, a, basically an eight times performance gain on these super huge documents. And it's all been done with software optimization, not to do wow, with the hardware. Yeah, <laughs> it's and what you're saying is it doesn't matter. These p- 
performance improvement, you will see them with the update, whatever hardware you're running. So, you know, even if you're an older Intel machine, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's, it will be, you know, sort of five to eight times faster performance than you get now, regardless of what hardware you run. So that will be, you know, that will be across Windows and um, Mac. Will it, will it? But will it run my document with 600,001 layers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it probably will. I'm sure they just... It you know, probably will. Yeah. How the hell did they build a document with 600,000 layers? Actually, if you see the document he's doing, I can understand how they did it because it's like a like a isometric vector map of a sort of, um, I assume, uh, you know, a kind of uh, fancy park you know uh theme park so, right theme yeah, yeah yeah so obviously you know every single element counts as a layer every box you draw every circle you draw everything you do creates a layer but it's very very impressive it's another one of those i watched it and went wow that's amazing and then he says and we've done all this in software optimization and which is like really um amazing that's very yeah it does sound impressive it's very not very... not you're ever going to need six hundred thousand layers for whatever you're doing. Well, you know, obviously some people <laughs> but might. The but the sheer fact that it will do it, I mean, gosh. Yeah, I can remember back in my looking at drawer on the on my risk PC. Yeah, having to wait for it to catch up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, a link to that little uh, YouTube video with Ashley showing you um, what his dev team have done, which is you know mind bending. I have to say. A bit like when they revealed what uh, the buttons did for studio mode in Publisher. That's a kind of yeah. blow your socks off kind of moment. Um, I have reached out to um, to Affinity and I'm going to see if we can get Ash back on. Um, he's probably going to be in huge demand after announcing this. So, uh, But hopefully he'll be able to come on and talk to us and uh, tell us how they went about good. achieving such a thing. Um, and this this one um, is from iDrop News, which I thought was really, really nice, right? Which is eight new iOS 4 features we're still using 11 years later, um, which is a nice little list of um, things which came with the iPhone 4 and iOS 4. Um, Gosh. Yeah, 11 years ago, but they it, basically what they're really saying is um, iOS 4 in many ways paved the way for what iOS and the iPhone, uh, you know, has become in 2021. So, oh, um, wow. All those things. I'm not going to say what they are because it, it, it's worth having a look at, I think. So I'm not going to say what they are, but that's amazing. Some of those things yep. are things we just all take for granted. Indeed. And, and they didn't come out until the 4. Oh, that's amazing. Go and have a look, folks. <laughs> It's, it's it really is interesting. Yes, it is. Um, it's very very interesting to realise when these um when these things appeared. Features, yeah, yeah. Um, there you go. Some of them, as they admit, were for the iPhone four only. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting little feature. And as you say, best not to spoil it by telling everybody what's in there because it's, <laughs> it's it's worth taking a look because that kind of um, perhaps we should have had a perhaps we should have had a phone in. And people yeah. could have phoned in and guessed. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what's in it. Um, oh, and they also mention, of course, uh, they do also mention in this article, the one we also mentioned the other week, the um, old OS app, um, which allows you to run iOS 4 inside an app on your current iPhone, just to, um, <laughs> just nice. to take a look back, you know. Um, 
There we are. Um, well, here we go. I guess we're probably going to move on now. There was a lot more Microsoft news than there was Apple news, obviously. Um, uh, so we start with Windows 11 could run on Macs uh, from Laptop Mag, which is basically Parallels have announced that they are already working on virtualization on, uh, you know, for Windows 11, which is not surprising Probably because good. they, uh, you know, they support started supporting um, Windows 10 um, with Parallels Desktop 16, I think, which was recently released. When we mentioned that when that when that happened, um, and with instructions on how to get hold of the um, ARM64 version of Windows. Um, so it's that interesting will... to look at. I must admit, these days, I never, I don't feel, I never feel inclined to go into Windows unless I'm... No. <laughs> unless I'm mucking about. Uh, no. Because I just don't need to. But... No, nor do I. I mean, you it's know... interesting that you. It's interesting that you can. Yeah. Or that you will be able to. Well, it's, you know, there are people for whom it is useful. I mean, when I was working, you know, I had a virtual box machine running Windows because it meant I didn't have to have an actual PC on my desk as well as my Mac for things that I needed to do in in Windows, you know. Um, There were certain things which, you know, required me to use Windows. Um, So I had, you know, I had a Windows 10 VM in virtual box on my Mac. Um, and the loss of that is not obviously on my home machine has not bothered me in the least. Um, but it, you know, it was nice when the, you know, when parallel said they were going to do it and support it. So at least on an M1, you know, it is doable. You can get a version of windows running on your, in virtualization on your Mac. And now they're going to support windows 11. Um, which That's is good. nice. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, right here we go. Uh, this one. This one's quite amusing. Microsoft was not joking about the dev channel not enforcing the hardware checks that uh, Windows 11 has been criticised for. Boy, so Windows 11 has popped up on a Pi. Uh, some mobile phones, and if you search, there are people doing all sorts of wild and crazy things. Um, apparently, this one's the register. The enthusiast community is thumbed a nose at Microsoft's hardware requirements for Windows 11, with insider builds being demonstrated on Raspberry Pi and inevitably a mobile phone. Um, in this case, it's a Lumia 950XL, whatever that is, but it's an Android phone. Obviously, they're using the ARM64 Windows build to do that. Um, I've seen other ones for people getting it running on a Xiaomi phone and a uh, OneNote or something. So um, that's just to prove, <laughs> apparently, that, you know, um, some of uh, Microsoft's claims about the hardware requirements are possibly a little bit jacked up. Um, right. <laughs> but you can understand them wanting to um, to drop some of their legacy stuff. I mean, I mean, they are trapped by their... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand... What they have to support. Unfortunately, they seem to have gone in at, sort of at the other end and started saying, oh, well, you know, you need a, you know, you need a, at least an 8th gen um, chip, which is um, seems a little mm. harsh. Um, there does seem to be an awful lot of confusion about exactly what can run Windows 11. There is. This is the thing. Yeah. Um, well, there was, there's a... There's a software thing, isn't it, that's supposed to tell you, but it doesn't actually work properly, yeah. or rather, it, it, it lies to you. Sometimes um, it tells you you can. They seem to be also changing the... They keep changing the bar. Yeah. Yes. They, um, a PC Gamer, I've got a link here, um, 
Microsoft acknowledges the Windows 11 PC health check was quote-unquote not fully prepared, um, in that basically a lot of people said it was just plain wrong. Um, the PC health check app will go into hibernation until later this year, hopefully, and when it comes back it will be correct. Um, also, um, I've read, I don't think I've got a link to that one, but I have also read that Microsoft have admitted that they may be relaxing the hardware um, requirements, at least down to probably a 7th gen chip, which seems reasonable, right. to be honest. A little more reasonable. I mean, I'm not expecting them to bloody support 486 or something, you know, let's be honest. No, but, no, um, no. I think uh, part of the other problem was that... Um, so this TPM chip requirement, um, uh, it wasn't immediately obvious that um, it, it didn't actually help that it didn't step you through. No. Whether you got one or not. Well, so it just said, no, you can't run Windows. And, yeah. Uh, and that, but what, what it didn't tell you is that you may have the TPM chip and it's just not switched on in BIOS. Yes. Well, because um, it worse wasn't still, not required still, previously you... in Windows Home. So no. nearly, they're saying nearly every right. PC for the last five years or something should have one, but you may need to turn it on in BIOS. But, um... Yes, the other thing I heard as well is that one of, one of the problems is that you may your computer may report that it has one, but what what the computer is actually seeing is the headers mm. for for the chip, not the chip itself. <laughs> so basically, so uh, yeah, hence so they you may not have the chip, but but it, and it might be saying you have. Uh, yeah. How confusing. Indeed. Hence the fact that they have uh, withdrawn the uh, health check app for now. Um, so we've got, uh, if you're interested in that, um, there's the, you know, amusing thing about um, people making it run on ludicrously low-end hardware just to prove that they can. Um, I mean, the thing about the guy putting it on a phone is like, why? Well, just to see if I could, you know. It's not actually any good, <laughs> you know. It's not really useful yeah. trying to run Windows on a six-inch screen, but there you go, just to prove I could do it. Um, and... I thought I had what? another one here. Um, it certainly looks uh, a big improvement over the previous versions of Windows. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, I like the look, the look of it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. as we said last week, I mean, it just looked quite Mac-like. Yeah, some nice features. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to knock it. And I mean, it, you know, it's still in the, it's not out yet. I mean, they're inside mm. builds, which is the equivalent of, you know, at, um, you know, the Mac betas. So, yeah. um, you know, people are saying, oh, well, there's still bits where you still get old, you know, old icons or things that look like mm. Windows 95. Well, it's not finished yet. So, you know, don't. I like the party trick where if you unplug a, a monitor, um, when you go back to it and plug it back in, the windows that were actually open when you unplugged it reappear, you know, from where you left off. Yes, that the, was quite good. I think yeah. that's more useful than the the thing that uh, Monterey has, where you can go from your uh, iPad to your uh, what was it? The you can go from an iPad to uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, three devices across them. Yeah, your I Mac mean, and your iPad. No, it was, what was the three devices? It was iMac, the iPad, and something else. Uh, a MacBook or MacBook Pro. Yeah, you do. Right. Yeah. Um... I don't see... Well, obviously I haven't tried it yet, but I don't see how that would work into uh, the way you work here. Uh, 
I yeah. thought the Windows Windows idea was a much more sensible thing. But there you go. Well, talking about talking about mirroring and uh, using second screens, <laughs> I might as well jump in with my little story about uh, uh, a solution we put in down at church. Um, I didn't know whether it was going to work, but uh, basically, um, I've been thinking about putting in a um, a tablet or a, a screen um, on the pulpit at the front of the church so that the um, Whoever's at the front can see what's being projected on the screens, which is what's going out to the internet. And um, I suddenly wondered whether I could use a tablet. So I started to do a little bit of digging. And um, I found that if I, I all I did was bought an, uh, it was reduced because it was on um, Amazon, um, on one of the Amazon days. Um, I, I bought a, a, it got quite good reviews on Amazon. Um, what's that noise in the background? I don't know. Have you got a duck a, in your garden or something? It's, it's a crow outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's obviously listening in. <laughs> um, so uh, it's a, oh, I forget the make of the name now, Tech something, Tech. Anyway, it's Chinese. It's a Chinese Android tablet, 10.1 inch. Um, and what I did is I bought that and then I bought a stand for it to sit on that screws into the top of a microphone stand, which we'd already got. We'd got a microphone stand that wasn't being used for anything. Um, so um, so that stands at the pulpit. And then there's, a, there's an app um, that, that uses Google's, some of um, Google's plugin, um, Chrome's plugins. Um, I actually got it working through Vivaldi on the Mac because I tried using Chrome and it, it kept crashing on my M1 Mac, even though I installed the M1 version. So I gave up with it eventually and... Um, used vivaldi and um what you do is you switch on um screen recording for vivaldi so so you allow it to record the screen and then you go to uh let me just get this right let me tell you the right thing let me just start up vivaldi i've got it set so it goes to the right page here it comes you'll have to cut this bit out simon (laughs) (laughs) fix it in post Uh, it's called it's screen mirroring dot app screen mirroring dot app and what you do is you score you in on a browser on the on the um, Android device, so Chrome. Uh, you in, you get you navigate to ScreenMirroring.app, and it comes up with a, 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 some text and a couple of boxes. Uh, one of them with a code in it, and then you go in, on the Mac. As I say, I went into Vivaldi, and I navigated to ScreenMirroring.app forward slash sender, and you put the code that you've got on the device onto your Mac. And as soon as you click on connect, um, it appears, uh, it mirrors, it'll either mirror a a screen, so the screen in front of you, or if you've got a second screen, you can mirror the second screen. Or if there's a window alone, which is what I'm using it for, if there's just a window you want to mirror, you can do that as well. And it appears on the um, Android device, and then you just tap on it, Tap bottom right hand corner goes to full screen and it worked perfectly. I was quite surprised. So, as long as you're in your Wi Fi network, it, it, it just works. And it's uh, it now means that uh, whoever's standing at our pulpit has a, an Im- the image in front of them on this nice 10.1 inch uh, screen and it doesn't even have to be plugged in. When you have this thing running, can you see yourself in the mirror? <laughs> yes, only if you've got a camera pointed at you. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say no, and I was going to say, Where's my garlic? Where's my garlic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, 
I thought that was really good. And you can do it to any device. So you can use this for um, sending it to an iPad, although there are other ways to send it to an iPad, aren't there? Yeah. Using built-in stuff in, 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 in Apple. But uh, you can send it to any device. So an Android phone, you could send it to... If your TV's got a browser on it, you could send it to your TV. Um, I just thought it was a really useful little thing. And particularly if you had our particular needs, and that is something that was small, portable, we could plug in easily, uh, and that didn't involve lots more wires all over the place. And didn't cost a fortune. It was a really good solution. Yeah, and it didn't cost a fortune. I think the uh, the tablet cost 120 quid. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you can pick up a, a passable Android tablet for, um, you know, not not silly money. Um, yeah, you, you need one that will go, that has um, the Play Store on it. Obviously, um, yeah. But, uh, but apart from that, well, actually, no, you don't. I'm talking rubbish. That's only if you're going to mirror from the Android phone. Mm. Then you have to download an app. Um, but um, but yeah, I I thought what a useful thing. Maybe people might like to know about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there you go. It's a, you know a, a, a viable and not super expensive way to have. Um, and I assume by mir- by mirroring it, does it allow touch? So can you touch things on the screen to activate them, or is it just a? Unfortunately, not. No. Okay, so it's no, just so a... it literally is just a screen. Okay. So if you they, want to... they could, but see you could send video. like a teleprompter or something. Yeah. Yeah, or they could yes, um... it, I mean it's it's effectively so that I mean when we're using if they if they want to use prayers but they want people to respond to um so the congregation can see the big 70 inch screens we've got at the front of the church. Mm. Um but but the minute whoever's preaching can't. <laughs> so they've no idea whether I've actually put them up or not. So it's it's really a yeah it's like a prompter for them really so that they can see what's what's being projected. Excellent. Oh, excellent. Oh, I could see uses for that in you know other contexts. Anybody really needs to maybe see what's being projected yeah. if they're not. Yeah, in a and as I say, you don't do have so. to spend all the money to buy an iPad to actually get it to work. So it keeps the costs down. That's good. That's good. Um, talking about uh, as we were about people forcing Windows 11 onto things that uh, you know apparently it's not intended for. Um, iMore have a link to a tiny handheld running Mac OS Big Sur, which is wild. Um, I don't know what this handheld is. I'll be honest. Um, and they've paid me. Um, someone has made a tiny handheld computer running Mac OS Big Sur. They used a single board computer with an M3 CPU and 8 gig of RAM. I've no idea what that... Uh, okay, it has a 240 gigabyte SSD and a 3D printed case. Um, Looks like a ZX81, but, but much yeah. more sophisticated. <laughs> YouTuber has created a tiny handheld computer running Mac OS Big Sur for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I like it oh, because it's there. It's it's another because it because you because we can, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's be, yeah. just you know why did you climb the mountain because it was there. Um, That's right. Yeah, it it. I, I guess they've. I don't know. I assume they've built this. You know, it says a three D printed case. I assume they've um, got that keyboard from somewhere else. Uh, you know, just just an interesting another one of those. Um, you know, interesting bit like the Pie Mac last week. You know. Um, yes. Yeah, I think it's great that people are that inventive and will and will make that effort to make something yeah. work. I think. Here we go. Uh, uh, for those who are asking, the keyboard is a Q9 Mini Wireless. Oh, okay. um, uh, for the, exactly the same reason that I built the PC at the beginning of lockdown, you know, because I huh. wanted to. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, here we go. Because he could. Because he could. 
Um, there we are. That's uh, quite interesting. And I've got another one here. Um, Dad sells family car to pay for his kids' $1,800 in-app spending spree. Um, this one's on Colt Mac, but you'll find it other places. Um, I have to say, right, a Welsh doctor let his seven-year-old play a game on his phone for an hour and ended up with an $1,800 bill. Um, Apple have refunded the man $290, but he had to sell his Toyota to cover the rest of the bill. Um... That's a bit of a crappy thing to happen, but to be honest, there are a million ways to stop your child from doing that. Um, he says that he thinks his child knew the password or some other way, but um, you know. <laughs> oh, so so basically, it sent him it sent him notifications, but the child knew his dad's account password. <laughs> or so he claims. So, or so he claims, well, which yeah. you know. Um, as they say in here, be sure ask to buy is activated. Um. I don't know. I didn't read into it in great depth, but I'm... Well, he, uh, he says he's furious and he's been an Apple customer since 2005. Well, if he has, he would know. He ought to know, you know. He ought to know how to, how to, how to stop his kid spending that much money. Oh, dear. Oh, that is good. Sorry, mate. A genius for, for a kid. <clears throat> <laughs> that, either a genius for a kid or an idiot for a father, one or the mm. other. <laughs> And apparently, apparently, he's, apparently, he's a doctor. So you know, <laughs> I don't. I'm not being rude, but he really ought to know better. Um, yeah, I gave my I gave my son my credit card and uh, and an unlimited uh, um, unlimited amount of money that he could spend, and surprisingly, he spent it. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, the difficulty in this situation is that Shaz wasn't using his own device, he was using his father's, so it didn't have Ask to Buy turned on automatically. Um, no, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, right, okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's careless, though, isn't it? I mean, it, you can't really be held responsible for what people do, and uh, if they do silly things, I mean, which it appears this is. Yes, it is. Um, and so, talk... sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry it's not about really that. Apple's fault. It's not really. I'm afraid that I don't consider that to be Apple's fault. I'm sorry. I just don't. Um, they may, you know, they're constantly publishing things about how to secure your device for children and your account for children and a whole load of other things. I mean, you can use guided access. You can you, you can just turn off in-app purchases. You can do that. You can go no in-app purchases. Um, I put that run down to a combination of either ignorance or carelessness, I'm afraid. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. get me wrong, I don't agree with um, game writers being allowed to charge that much for in-app purchases. I, I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah. But Apple have never come down on it, have they? I mean, they really should, in my yes. opinion. It's, I, I agree. It's a bit bonkers to allow... I mean, I play a game quite regularly where you can spend a fortune on it if if you allowed yourself. Of yeah. course, I don't. I don't spend anything on it. No. But the fact is, it's possible to do it. And I think Apple ought to stamp down on this silly profiteering, because that's what it is. Yes, that's true. You know. Um, so um, I haven't put this in the I haven't put this in the show notes. But talking about money, as it were, um, you've probably heard or seen on the news that um, creators, content creators. Uh, mostly, I have to say, the lovies, um, as Carl, you know, so aptly put it on his show, uh, are asking <laughs> for a 1% to 3% tax on electronic gadgets, which can play back content. Um, and I'm, I'm with Carl on this one. No, sorry. 
you know, we're talking about film studios and people saying, you know, these are, these are people who get paid to do the job. Most of them, if they're big names, get paid residuals for the things they're in. Um, people pay to watch these products, um, you know, these films or whatever. You have to buy them or rent them or whatever. You know, they're not free. Um, it just seems like a money grab to me. Oh, we could, we could, you know, rake in money off Androids and Apple and kindles and all sorts by demanding a tax that will go to us and you can guarantee it won't go to the small fry will it um uh, yeah yeah i must admit when i heard them talk about this i yeah i might have misunderstood what they were talking about because there is some logic in saying that uh yeah i suppose it depends what you mean by content creators doesn't it really yeah i mean i would like to see people who create stuff get more of the the share of the money part of the problem with um, with content creation generally is that the person who creates it gets the least it appears and everyone else piles in on top and gets lots of money off it so if you're a musician for instance and you write a song and everyone loves it the, the last person who actually gets the money is the person who wrote the song yes it's a bit it's a bit weird it's a bit it's all it's all the middlemen who actually get all the money there's just um I can't. Yeah. My problem with this is not, you know, content creators getting paid. I'm all for that, right? I really am. But it's I just, just not. See... Yeah. It's it's not putting it on the devices that are playing their content because, as you say, people are already paying for it. Yeah, it, it's stuff that's getting yeah. paid for, and you can guarantee none of this money would get distributed to small theatre companies or <laughs> no, because it would yet again go to those middlemen who are the ones who rake well, all the money off in the first place. It's going to end up going to film studios and big, you know, big name yeah. film stars and people who already get an obscene amount of money. So I'm sorry, no, and um, you know, I just think that's one of those. Oh, you know, the the creative arts are suffering so much. You know, hand us money. No, no, sorry. You get paid well enough, thank you. You want my honest opinion. You know, I, I remember, um, so this was a, a private conversation, so I won't say who it was I was talking to, but I remember talking to a musician that we had uh, when I was in Seven Trent, and um, he was helping us out with the Seven Trent Choir, and um, he was talking about how badly musicians are paid, Um and uh you know i i was always in the under the impression that actually they they didn't get paid huge amounts they did have to often be teachers as well yeah because being a being a musician alone playing in an orchestra or whatever wasn't enough money until he told me did you know that the basic basic um uh a musician in in an orchestra uh, only gets paid about thirty eight thousand a year. <laughs> thought, oh. Well, that's more than I'm earning, and I retired on less than that. It's my heart so, bleeds. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Suddenly, suddenly, my uh, sympathy started to dissipate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember some years ago where there was an article about you know, and and I know teachers probably don't get paid as much as they ought to, and all the rest. But yeah. In this particular article, there was some, oh, you know, me and my husband are um, both, you know, newly qualified teachers. And between us, we're only bringing in £66,000 per annum. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I weep. I weep for yeah. you. Jeez, you know, <laughs> really? And you're at the start of your career. Give me a break. Yeah. Sorry. Um, get some proportion. Yes, it, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, like most things, isn't it? That uh, there are some people who are paid very well for what they do, 
and there are some people who aren't paid very well for what they do, and they can sometimes be in the same profession. <laughs> Indeed, very much uh, so. Yeah. Um, I yeah. just think you know, attempting to tax anything that just struck me as a money grab. Who's got lots of money? Apple and Google. You know, we could break in a load of money for that, but I can't see that going anywhere. That's just no, no. Nor can I. See, as you say, it, it seems. Um, it seems a strange way to go. I think uh, Carl said it was a little bit like uh, when they tried to put a tax on cassette tapes because you could yeah. record music on them. Yeah, yeah. It's the know. wrong, it's the wrong end of the chain to start trying to charge people for stuff. Uh, I think it is, you know. And I, yeah. you know, this stuff is funded all the way through, and end buyers have to buy it. If you don't think you get enough money, then you know either charge more for your product, or you know, make savings elsewhere, or just redistribute the wealth more equally. Don't don't, yes. don't make poor man in the street pay. You know, and if you put one percent tax, you know, oh, it's only one percent. Yeah, one percent, one percent tax on, uh, you know, on a MacBook is hundred and sixty quid plus. Yeah, yeah, but, and then you'd, and then of course, you know, they wouldn't get the whole one percent because uh, there'll be lots of other people who wanted part of that. <laughs> yeah. So no. Yeah, I know. No, sorry, I haven't got a link to that, but there you go. Just um, no, not impressed by that. Um. What else have we got? Um, I've got a story here. Two two stories, actually. Um, well, um, what have we got? Uh, I found this on um, France 24 English, but apparently Jeff Bezos, it's not anywhere else that I could find. Jeff Bezos is lose, leaving an enduring legacy as he steps down as Amazon's CEO. Um, he's stepping down as CEO to pursue his, you know, um, space and philanthropy and other things that he wants to do. I mean, he's not retiring. He's not retiring from Amazon. He'll still have a huge clout on the board or whatnot, but he's not going to be full-time CEO anymore. Right. Um, apparently. Um, haven't seen that anywhere else. Uh, yeah, why not? You know. Um, well, he's 57. He's yeah. 57. So. Do you know? Yeah, that's good. Hmm. No. And stinking, obscenely filthy rich. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I was just about to say, I, I, you know, I hope, I hope him giving it up won't won't affect him financially, because you know. Yeah, because he's struggling. <laughs> he so might much. struggle a bit. <laughs> yeah, not. That, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't. Whatever. I mean, the only thing I can say about Jeff Bezos really is he, you know, is he he started Amazon and built Amazon, and there you go. Amazon is the giant it is because of his hard work and a lot of other people's hard work. And you know, don't get me wrong, there are things that Amazon have been accused of, you know, treating their employees badly and underpaying and all sorts of other things, which, if true, are very unpleasant. But you know, um, there you go. Uh, but where would we all be without them? In all honesty, indeed. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Last week, we talked about um, the Hubble. Uh, I've got a link to Universe Today, which says um, NASA continues to try to rescue the failing Hubble. Um, I won't go into it in great depth because it explains quite a lot about what they think is going on and which switching components and power components and so on might or might not be a fault and how difficult it is to, un, you know, unplug one and plug in another remotely and so on. But uh, it's a good read if you're interested in what's going on with the Hubble. Um, hmm. explains there's, no rumors, there's no truth in the rumours that uh, employees in uh, NASA are going around singing Hubble, Hubble, Toil and Trouble. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are something that's saying that indeed. You're quite right there. Um what else? Uh, well, let's move. Oh, no, here's one. This this one is a, only a small thing. This was on Sky News. A design student has created a device to rapidly stop bleeding from stab wounds, which is um, 
really clever. Really, really clever. Um, a prototype called React is quicker and more effective than the traditional method of wound packing. Um, because normally, um, you know, if, if you've got a stab wound of some type, you have to apply pressure. And um, if it's a bad wound, you often need to pack gauze and, and things into the, you know, into the cut in order to try and shut off the blood flow. Um which, you know, is not particularly great in for a whole load of reasons, not least that it's very unpleasant for the person having stuff rammed into a stab wound. Um, yeah. Uh, this device uses pressure to prevent bleeding, targeting areas which are difficult to treat, such as armpit, groin, and abdomen. It contains a silicon sleeve and a handheld device. Uh, the sleeve, known as a tamponade, is put into the wound and then connected to a handheld device called the actuator. After the wound is found by the actuator, inflates to a design, uh, defined pressure, preventing internal bleeding. So, um, effectively, that is clever. you're sticking a balloon into the wound and inflating it so that it uh, helps stop the blood flow. Um, he says the prototype is quicker and more effective than the traditional method of packing. Um, also, um, he's saying um, the device can safely and easily be removed in surgery, unlike gauze. When a surgeon tries to remove gauze from a wound, it will often rip out the blood clot with it, causing the bleeding to resume. Uh, React works like a balloon on the inside of a papier-mâché and can be removed safely, leaving the clot intact. So, there you go. Uh, so, apparently a stabbing victim can bleed to death in as little as five minutes, so the priority is to stop blood loss as quickly as possible. Yes. If you're stabbed, if you're stabbed in a vital artery, you can die very quickly yes. indeed. You can bleed out very, very quickly. Um, That's very clever, isn't it? It is. That someone, um, someone's thought that through, and yeah, very I'd, clever. It it reminds me in, in some ways of how they put stent into um, yeah closed. It's a little arteries. bit like a stent, but but whereas a stent is opening things, <laughs> this is actually closing stuff down to, to stop the blood. But, well, it's, but, it, yeah, it, it basically. But it is a balloon. It's very similar. Yes, it's a, it's a silicon balloon, effectively, and it just yeah. presses against all the. It should press, you know, against all the cut blood vessels. That's, that's that's very clever. Pinching them off. Let's hope that you know. Let's hope that goes um goes far. Because the other mm. thing with that is, I could see that you wouldn't necessarily have to have a great deal of training to be able to use it. Yes. Well, it says in in the, the uh, in the article, doesn't it, that that's that's one of the things he wanted. He wanted people to be able to use it who hadn't got a lot of training. Yeah. You know, police officers or what you know, or or, or anybody could because by stabbing. By the way, you know, people get stab wounds other than actually being stabbed by somebody with a knife. You yes. know, people get stabbed in car accidents or falls. You know, people fall on things and get impaled on bits of metal or, True. you know, stabbed by bits of car when they're in a car accident, that sort of thing. Anything that's a penetrating wound is effectively a stab. So um, very good. Let's hope that goes a long way. And I'm sure if it, you know, if it's successful, it will save a lot of people. Um what have we got? Uh, moving on to the security and privacy. Um, more more woes for um, Western Digital, unfortunately. Um, our friends at Petapixel have a link. Major vulnerability affects all Western Digital NAS devices which run OS3. Um, again, I won't go into the details, but if you have um, a Western Digital NAS device running OS3 uh, and it cannot be upgraded to OS5, you should probably consider retiring it. Um, oh, dear. 
Yeah, more trouble there. Um, and it's a similar thing. They're being attacked or they're at, at risk of... Um, it's to do with the firmware update mechanism and it can be attacked. Right. And then um, this is... Um, the original report was by Brian Krebs, um, who's well known, of course. Western digital products running MyCloud OS 3 have a zero-day vulnerability, which can only be fixed by upgrading to OS 5. There is no OS 4, by the way. Um, uh, okay, uh, originally demonstrated at a hacking competition last year, Western Digital released OS 5, which patched out the bug, uh, but that update nullified the work because the competition required uh, latest firmwares. Uh, they published their findings um, and discovered a chain of weaknesses that allows an attacker to remotely update the vulnerable device's software with a malicious backdoor, um, etc. More, more nastiness. Um, so if you have a device that um you know cannot run update to OS uh what is it my cloud OS five you should probably consider retiring these it. Security research these security researchers have got cool names, haven't they? Pedro Ribeiro Ribeiro I don't know quite how you say that. And Radek Demansky. Yep. <laughs> cool. There we go. Um. So bad news. More bad news for um Western digital users, unfortunately. Um. Yeah, I've been tempted by Western Digital devices over the years. I have actually got some, but they're quite old. Um, I think they were 340, 340 gig hard drives. I've still got them somewhere. Hmm. Um, it, it would appear. I mean, but, there's nothing I, wrong with I've been te- I've been tempted by the cloud devices as well, but in the end went for something completely hmm. different. But, uh, well, they, yeah, you know, that's they a did, shame. They did make nice devices, but it just seems that they're suffering from a... And I suspect one of these flaws has, you know, cascaded to another because people find it out and then start looking at, you know. Yes, yeah. Can we exploit suddenly, something? Suddenly everyone's looking, yeah. Or something similar in other devices. Um, all Windows versions, um, critical security warning as print nightmare is confirmed. That's on Forbes. Um, is, that, is that a virus, print nightmare? Um, or is... It's an attack. Um, it oh, right. exploits a vulnerability in the Windows print spooler, um, and it can be uh, uh, what can be used. I think it can be somehow manipulated to do remote code execution. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me. It reminds me a little bit of when I used to when I first started working for Seven Trent in the in their IT department. Just occasionally, someone would send um, what they thought was a short text file. <laughs> to the printer oh uh, yeah and th- and then forget about it and uh, about you know a ream of paper later it was actually it was actually all the code they were printing out <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and it would just go on and on and on we used to have a bug at work where i forget what it was but if you accidentally sent either the wrong type or the wrongly formatted uh, sort of pdf to print on uh, a couple of our printers, they couldn't pass it, and they would attempt to then print literally print out the postscript. Oh um, yes, I've seen that. Oh, yes, I've seen that happen before. And as well. unfortunately, <laughs> because of the way postscript is is formatted, it will print about two lines on the top of a sheet of paper, and then go to the next page because <laughs> inter- there's parts of the postscript it interprets as ne- go to next page. It's a line feed. Yeah, so next it, page. Yeah, it will spit out reams and reams of paper with like one line of code per page or two lines of oh, code no. per page. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know what. Ha- I can't remember what we did about that. I think we 
either there was an update or we retired those printers or whatever. But yeah, it was um, <laughs> it was a bit of a problem. I mean, luckily for most yeah. of it, the paper that was used with two lines of paper, we for what we were doing, we we just put it back in the printer the other way up and used it again. But um, I think I think with printers we're we don't realise how lucky we are these days because you know when we were when everyone was having to deal with postscript and non postscript and <laughs> oh, it was yeah. a little bit complicated. Indeed. So that that's that one. Um basically um the the main mitigation is because it's a um escalation of privileges, uh the attack would have to be on the local network already. It's not a remote kind of attack. Oh right, okay. Um it's not great, but apparently it affects all versions of Windows because it's in the print spooler. Um um and uh Ars Technica apps with 5.8 million Google Play downloads have stolen users Facebook passwords apparently um which is not great um obviously this is Android but um yeah. just do be aware apparently um nine apps which have used a sn- sneaking method to pilfer your credentials uh, I won't go into it but um they explain what it is um and how to yes most most of our listeners probably won't have many google <laughs> devices so no but even so you know people do or they might have you know family members with um absolutely yeah apps, so go and have a look um okay uh the majority of the downloads were for an app called pip photo um processing photo and then the remaining apps with not many, less than 100,000 downloads are Rubbish Cleaner, InWell Fitness, Horoscope Daily, App Lock Keep, Locket Master, Horoscope Pie, and App Lock Manager. Um, the main one then being PIP Photos, which basically has the 5.8 million. The others, much less. But, yeah, I mean, um, if, you, if, you're unlucky, if you're unlucky enough to have App Lock Manager... <laughs> You're one of ten. Yeah, or you could claim to be one of the. I, I, I mean, just because it's only got ten doesn't mean it could have got pulled. Be you know, could have been flagged as one of these malicious apps and pulled. Yeah, it could have been point. the same person who downloaded it ten times, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Right. Uh, a Google spokesman said the company was banned all the developers of all nine apps from the store. They will not be allowed to submit any new apps. Um, Fair enough. And then they've said, which is the right thing for Google to do, but only um, only a minimal hurdle for developers because they can simply sign up for another account under a different name for twenty five dollars. Um, there you go. Not much else to say about that, unfortunately. Um, worth a chirps. Um, I think Donnie sent this is this one in. How to enable the hidden Hello screensaver from in Mac OS Big Sur, um, which is at WWCF Tech. Um, you know the one they displayed on the new IMAX with the new curly hello? Um, or maybe it's all of them. Um, easily enable the hidden hello screensaver on any Mac which runs Big Sur 11.3 or later. Um, open the system folder, go to library, click on screensavers, drag the hello saver on your desktop file. Right, okay, well, it, it obviously tells you how to find it. There you go. It's. Um, I've no idea why it's hidden. There you go. But I'm afraid I'm installing it. I can't get it to work. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Hmm. Um, you might need to do a restart because that screensavers are kind of buried deep in the system, I think. I don't know. No, I found the screensaver um, thing that tells you to drag to the desktop. I've done that. It says rename it. 
doesn't tell you how to rename it. Anything, to... I suspect, anything. Aye, but if you remove the dot saver from it, it uh, converts to some kind of, kind of a different file. Yeah. So I don't know whether you have to rename the first part of it, remove the hello and keep the dot saver. Uh, yeah, whether you should... re- rename the whole thing, but it doesn't seem to want to work for me. So I should ch- try, try to make calling it hello too, and then it says double click on the file and follow the instructions to install it as a screensaver. Mm. I'll go back a try later on. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. That's that. Um, I'm not that bothered, but if you would like, if you would like one, um, you know, there you go. Apparently, give that a go. Satechi have released the perfect docking station for Apple's uh, Mac Mini from high consumption. I think that might have also been Donnie as well. It's a $100 um, Mac Mini type thing, similar to the one you've got, isn't it, Nick? You bought a QG no. or whatever it was. Oh, uh, no, my, yeah, no, my QGM isn't one that sits under the Mac. It's oh, is it not? Separate, uh, okay. No, it's just a, it's a rectangular um, box. Okay. Um, but, oh, well, uh, you had one that did, and then was that I the did, one you said I did back? buy one. I did buy one, but I wasn't sure about... I did try asking questions about whether there was power over USB, and they were... I got mixed messages, so I sent it back. Fair this enough. one, the, 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 the QGM definitely gives you power over uh, yeah, USB, over so USB. you can charge things with it. So um, this Satechi, uh yeah, picture of it here. It's about half the height of the Mac Mini. Looks like, um, you know basically part of it. it's a zero footprint as we used to say back in the day um it's a hundred dollars and uh, okay i'll tell you what was quite i tell you what was quite amusing so remembering that uh the eight gig mac mini eight gig m1 mac mini down at church is doing quite a lot on a sunday it's uh it's i've got proclaim open which is uh, like acting like a virtual camera i've got a camera plugged in we're streaming out to the internet at 720p which isn't very high but i'm i'm going to experiment with 1080p because i think we probably can do that um and i put my hand down to it because i had again i've got a qg um extender plugged into it and the qg <coughs> is uh is warm to the touch <laughs> but the mac mini isn't the mac mini was stone cold <laughs> absolutely nothing absolutely no heat being generated whatsoever or at least i couldn't feel any but yes the q the q dream was warm in this one is now when i put my hand on top of it it just gets a little bit warm but the uh but the mac mini which is very busy doing lots of clever and powerful things was uh was absolutely cold well the, the surprising thing here is um the the thing that's making the most noise, apart from my chair, are the two uh, backup drives, which are yeah. running away here. I can't hear Same them. Same for the, me. Same for me. My, dri- yeah. my drives. They don't make a lot of noise, but they do make more noise than the Mac Mini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Mac Mini's stone cold, and the two drives are eh, not warm, but you can feel a wee bit of heat. That's certainly quiet. Yes. Yep. Now, if we can just get these things fixed, <laughs> I'd be happy. Right. Really, really plaguing you, aren't they, Jim? Mm. So there we go. Uh, I yeah. will persevere. Indeed. Um, what does it say here? Um, no space grey option, unfortunately. Um, convenient access to all the peripherals you'll need while working. A USB-C data port, three USB-A data ports, micro SD card reader, well, a micro and an SD card reader, a 3.5mm headphone jack, and the dock features an internal hiding space for an SSD drive, removing another item that has the potential to clutter up your desk. 
Um, compatible with the 2020 M1 Mac Mini and the 2018 Mac Mini. I've yeah. actually had a look at these and have been tempted to buy one, but the price is putting me off. Uh, so I've currently bought um, a kind of dongle with USB, I think it's A sockets and USB-C sockets and card readers and stuff to plug into the back of this Mac Mini. Yeah, um, well, the a cheaper the option. The QGM, I say it's a it's a separate box altogether. Mm. Uh, but it's only it's only about I suppose it's double the double the height of a packet of card. No, mm-hmm. it's not double. One and a half size. If you took a, a packet of cards and cut one in half and placed it on top, it's about that size. Um, but you also get a network connection and Super VGA because we're all still using that, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> but just in case, just in case, you know, why not? <clears throat> Maybe they just got a load of super F- SGA, you know, VGA sockets laying around. I thought they'd use them up. <laughs> yeah, them let's throw this in. Yeah, throw it in. We've got a whole warehouse full of those things nobody's ever going to buy. Stick them in. Stick them in. <laughs> uh, well, I've got a package down the hall here. Uh, it's waiting for me to open up. And it's got one of these, um, you know, the docks, um, the plug-in ones for the Mike Murray. I've got... Um, a lightning to what is it? USB C to use my wee backup drive in uh, oh, the right and also got um, a headphone jack to USB C dongle for the iPad as well. Ah, nice. So I'll, good. I'll put some photographs up later on on the flicker. Not flicker. Um, slack in the slack. In the slack. Jolly good. Mm-hmm. Um. What else have we got? A couple more things and then we'll wrap it up. Got a box of Lego bricks. This amazing app will scan them and suggests new builds. That's a link from Forbes. Um, I don't think it suggests anything particularly, you know, um, massive, but it's a novel little thing. You point it at a pile of bricks and it suggests little things you can build with it, um, which is all very yeah, clever. But the, fact, the fact is, if, it's, if it was like when I was a child, you always had about 47 bricks that were all the same. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and maybe one other brick that was a different shape. <laughs> well, um, you could always build a house. Yep, they were fairly easy to build. <laughs> um, but there you go. It's interesting. There's, a, I think, there's a little video of it um, working and the things. That's that suggest quite a clever idea. Um, there's here. Um, the Bricket app is the best use of iPhone AR technology I've yet seen. It can scan a huge pile of Lego bricks and identify individual bricks. Uh, once it works out what bricks you have, it suggests new items you can build with bricks, turning random box of Lego bricks into creations. Um, according to the, you know, judging by the demo video, the app appears to be capable of identi- identifying thousands of bricks in a few seconds. Um, okay, that's quite clever. Free in the App Store, and currently is rated at 4.1 out of 5. Oh, okay, cool. I, I have a question. Yep. Did I see? Did I see a certain party called Mark uh, showing his new toy on a MacBook Air M1 in rose gold? By any chance? Um, I don't know. I know he's got a new. Um, I know he's bought a new MacBook um, Air M1. I'm, I don't think mm. it's available in rose gold. I think it's only available in silver or space grey. There's a wee video showing uh, this new device, and it's got a, a reddish colour to it. I don't know. Oh. Mm. We'll need to ask him the next time he's on. Unless it's just reflecting his, you know, light. Well, it could be that, yeah. His complexion. 
<laughs> his rosy cheeks. Um, or well, sunset. Yep, yeah, it could be. I don't. I don't know. I know he bought one. I know he got one. Um, but it's catching, isn't it? M ones. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of contagious. <laughs> mm. Um, and carrying on with Lego, another little worth of chirp. I've got a link. German scientists built a high-resolution microscope out of Lego bricks. Uh, this was on Ars Technica. Um, apparently, they built a high-resolution microscope. There's pictures of it. Um, apparently, the only um, the only part which wasn't Lego are the lenses, which um, they're covered from mobile phones. Yes, I believe I believe so. Yeah, they were recovered from mm. mobile phones. Um, That's quite cool. It says the um, the. Uh... It's part of a, an ongoing frugal science trend using cheap consumer hardware and open source software to build low-cost scientific instruments. The DIY tools are perfect for educational environments and for field use in developing countries. Mm. Clever stuff. Yeah, it just like it just looks like a tower, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the pictures well. of it. It just looks like a Lego tower. Yeah. Um... With like a gap in the middle. That's clever. So it's got a cog in there, which I assume is some sort of focusing wheel. Um, yeah, I would imagine so. Moves, moves something, moves the lenses up and down or something. Yep. So, um, yeah, the only non-Lego components are the lenses, which were salvaged from smartphone cameras. So, you know. That's cool. Cool. I like it when people do clever things like that. Mm-hmm. Just to throw out the last two, uh, if you are desperate to get hold of a cap- copy of Mac OS X Lion or Mountain Lion, uh, they're now free. Because they were the last two paid for updates, and apparently, if you wanted a copy, uh, you still had to pay Apple for them, even though they're oh. ten or eleven years old now. Um, and Apple have finally decided that they're available for free. It's a bit weird because um, you know all the other ones from um, come after Mountain Lion, um, Mavericks, is it? Probably. Um, well, anyway, everything after that was free. Um, yes, the Mountain Lion was the last animal wasn't it and, was the, and the last one you had to pay for i think it was 10 pounds or something and the one before was maybe 20 um because they used to be yeah. sort of 140 130 quid and um they dropped it down to i don't know 15 or 20 and then the next one i think was a tenner and then they went completely free uh, but apparently if you wanted to download one until now you still had to pay so they're finally they're finally available for free i'm sure that's a massive relief to thousands upon thousands of people not <laughs> uh and also to be honest if you you know if you had a machine that requires that they were all on you could get them on disc i think so there's probably discs knocking around um and last thing you remember last week i mentioned the thing with the elevation graph uh, going across um like a satellite image yes yes i found a link i found a link for it um uh, apparently they're based using uh qgis data i think um I've got a link to the Twitter thread. Um, the first guy basically does a thing which uh, using population density. So as you scroll across the map, you see the population density. Um, this guy then uh, built the one to do show elevation. And uh, there's a video in the link, and then there's one, an interactive one. There's a link which will take you to a, an interactive one on the web where you can play around with it for yourself. Um, it covers the whole globe, so you can find where you live. And have a look at the elevation. It's a, you know, interesting little toy and clever piece of work. And that's about it. I think we'll, you know, we'll call that a day. We've got an awful lot of stuff there, far more than you might think. We'll wrap it up then, shall we, chaps? Uh, Sounds Nick, good to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, do you want to tell people where you can be found? 
Uh, yes, you can find me occasionally on Twitter, but not very occasionally. <laughs> and I'm uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And you can hear me occasionally over on Bot Show. And you, if you want to see me occasionally or uh, hear, watch the stuff that I get up to at church, then our services are streamed and the links are in the show notes. They are indeed. Both the... Um... Both the um, the circuit one and the, the circuit uh, and, and your and your local specific church. church, yeah, both of those yeah. are in there. Uh, Jim, you can find me in the streets of Glasgow, busking. <laughs> <laughs> Not very well, but busking. Well, uh, perhaps people will pay you to go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me in the Slack group uh, on Flickr as the SRPS paint shop. Although I'm thinking about changing that to something a bit more shorter and memorable. Uh, on Vimeo, uh, link in the show notes, and uh, I think that's it. Jolly good. Um, and of in course, and of course, there's the essential Apple Flickr group as well. Oh yeah. Um, now with regards to that, I am thinking about uh, closing that down because I don't seem to be getting any people interested. Okay, well so, that's fair enough. I mean, I, um, it probably may because... close it down. Yeah, probably because most time. well you know it's probably because mm. most most of the people were just posting in the dark room in the slack um mm. so there you go nothing wrong with that mm. if it's you know if it's not if it's not attacking anybody then yeah by all means shut it down and we'll just point mm. people to the slack as we do anyway um mm-hmm. and as everybody who listens to this show should probably know by now a direct link to the slack is in the show notes um and uh, I, of course, can be found on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, the show is at Essential Apple. All our stuff is at EssentialApple.com. Um, all the you stuff, you can find us in the Slack room, of course. Uh, thanks to everybody who does the usual stuff, retweeting us and sending us money and uh, battering their friends around the head with a used MacBook until they give in, that sort of thing. Um, thanks, by the way, to Steve at Geek's Corner, who sent in a review to uh, Carl Madden's Mac and Forth show, um, and we got a shout-out on there. Uh, and thanks to Carl for the shout-out as well. And uh, lovely, if you're not a listener to the Mac and Forth show, go and listen. And, of course, Steve is at Geek's Corner, and you can find him at geekscorner.info. If you want to uh, follow his podcast, you can find a link on his page. Uh, and that's about it. So until next week, I guess we'll all say goodbye. See you all. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... 
Bart Bouchot and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchot, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. having fun <laughs> that's all right it's just popped up with there's a new update for pietro would you like to install it right now no not right now yes, oh, I, 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 i've had problems with uh, piezo uh, update as well because it keeps it keeps asking me to um authorize it in system settings yeah yeah you, you have to and you have keep to keep doing that and it keeps coming up yeah it won't work you have to go in as you have to reboot the machine Mm-hmm. And go in as I can't remember what the setting is. You have to, oh, yeah. uh, and then when you go in that way, then it'll let you change it, and yeah. then you come back out again and go back in again. You have to, you have to yeah. hold the well. You have to hold the power button after That's restarting. Right. That's right. Um, no, and it comes into some mode, then you can switch it on there. And oh, jeez, oh, it's not. As, it's, yeah, it's but you only have to do it the once, so it's not as bad yeah. as it seems. It's not as onerous, right. onerous as it sounds, I must admit. Once I'd done it, I thought, oh, actually, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit fiddly because before you used to boot into the recovery partition, but now you reboot and keep your finger on the power button until you get the black screen with the um, boot up options and then fo- follow the instructions from that Rogue Amoeba. Did I send you the Rogue Amoeba link on how to do it? Or was that somebody else who was asking? I think it was it? My, probably me when I got mine. Mm. Uh, no I can't remember. You may, you may have sent it to me as well, but I can't remember. It might have been somebody in the mug actually who was having a problem with getting something installed on a new M1 Mac. And I said well, you'll need to um, you'll need to turn the security settings down to medium. Um, oh I yes, took- that was earlier in the week, wasn't it? I saw that. Yeah, I, I, I did that with something, and um, every time we go into system settings, it's, it keeps coming up with these four, four or five check boxes to be checked. And I check them and I OK it. And then I go back, it goes back to square one. Yeah, well, because, you, because the system integrity protection prevents it from ha- from um, uh, from doing it. Let me. Um... Well, I've got three problems at the moment. I've got photos, I can't find the photos library. 
It says here, uh, Photos cannot find the system photo library named photoslibrary.photoslibrary. Uh, can you open another library? But this is this is the one, this is photos that looks at the photographs in the cloud. Right. Yeah, I can't really, here we go. Right. Well, that, does, that doesn't sound like it's talking about the cloud because you don't have a photos library as such in the cloud, do you? Can, I mean, yeah. you, you 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 can have your photos in the cloud, but I don't think it actually sets up a photos library dot photos library in the cloud. Uh, and when no, I, and when I go open other other library, it'll sit with a spinning beach ball, and it doesn't find any other libraries. Mm. And I've tried to switch yeah, I, off. Photos. I had no problems. I just logged into my account, and uh, they just all came in. So. I, I've tried switching off um, photos in, in the you know, the cloud settings, but it keeps telling me to go back to library to switch something off, and I can't get that to switch off. So I'm bouncing between the, the system settings and photos, yeah. which is telling me nuts. Follow follow this set of instructions here from Rogue Amoeba on how to um, install the ACE, and that will do what you need. Right. That will allow things that require system extensions. ACE isn't actually truly a system extension, but it requires access to the audio, so it's treated as if it is. Right. It explains it in that piece, what you need to do. Well, there is okay. email out to myself, so I don't uh, lose it. Uh, hang on, add it to everything list. That's what I'll do. Yeah. Right. And that explains it. There's two there. There's an Intel Mac one and an M1 chip, and it explains what you have ah, to do. Ah, this ACE... I've been asked by this. I've been asked by Rogue Amoeba to switch on the ACE. Yeah, that's the audio capture component. Yeah. Um, but you have to reduce the system integrity protection from highest level, which is nothing can write to the system at all, right. to um, medium, which allows apps with permission from Apple to install system extensions slash right. thing. I know where it was. It was somebody today posted something in the mug, and they got they couldn't get um they they got VirtualBox, but it was coming up with kernel extension not installed, mm. and that's the same thing. You have to allow it. There's two ways you, know, it, you have to allow it. It occurs to me that um, I understand uh, Apple's laser focus on security, but it appears to me that they have gone a little bit too far, in my opinion. They're making the Mac really hard to set up originally because having yeah. to know all this stuff is just, I mean, if you're new to a Mac, it, it's just going to be completely above your head. You're just not going well, to understand well, that, what's going on. Well, I, don't, I don't remember ever having this problem before with um, a migration. Um, the last migration was from uh, an Intel Mac Book Pro to another Intel Mac Book Pro, and it worked seamlessly. Uh, yeah. On this occasion, going to the M1, I've been having three three issues. One is the photos issue, where it's going around in circles. Um, I'll do the one thing it tells me to do, and another one tells me to do another thing. I'm having problems with bridge. Bridge. I finally got I finally got bridge to actually you know, switch on um, yesterday. Last thing, but it won't let me log into my mail and mail. It keeps asking for my password. And when you go back to Bridge, which is constantly stuck on the screen, um, Fox is in the background, uh, you can't change anything. It won't let you log out. It won't, won't let you do anything. It's an, in, an inactive screen. So I've sent an sent a, a email to Photon to say, look, what's going on here with M1 Max? Um, and what's the other one? There's a, there's a third problem. The thing, that, the thing that baffles me with that one, Jim, is um, 
I didn't have a problem with Proton Bridge. I think I uninstalled it, reinstalled it, followed the instructions, and it worked. Yeah, I've not I had think, any problems with it since. I think I'm going to have to delete it again. But the the the, the problem, the other problem is trying to find excuse the, excuse the language, trying to find the bugger and all its components. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what you want for that. This is a free app, bloody worth its weight in gold. It's um an app called App Cleaner. I think mm-hmm. you can get it. It's free, and I think it's in the um. I think it's in the app store. Mm. And what we do, once you've installed that, go into the settings, tell it to be active kind of in the background, which is not actually active in the background. But basically, if you throw an app in the bin, mm-hmm. it will bring up a thing, app cleaner saying, I also found all this stuff which is related to it. Do you want to chuck all that as away as well? And you can do that and you that can was... select as well. So you can say, if it's something you're going to reinstall, you can go, no, keep the preference and chuck the rest or chuck the whole lot, you know. It will find, like, if you get rid of something like Adobe, it will find all the nasty hidden folders that Adobe scatter all over your hard drive. It would appear to have it on the computer. Then, so. Right. What you need to do then mm-hmm. is go into the App Cleaner um, preferences, open App Cleaner, go to preferences. Um, right. Smart delete. There's a thing called smart delete. Oh, thank you. Install update. Mm-hmm. Link. Take that two seconds. And clean it, clean it up. Ah, no. uh, hang on. Cl- clean it up. No, this is called App Cleaner. Ah, uh-huh. hang on. That's oh, a different one then. This is a uh, different app. App Cleaner. Is that in the App Store? I think it is. Let me have a quick look. If it's not a free app anyway, you just um, search. No, I've got I've got an app called Cleaner App, which supposedly does the same thing. But no, uh-huh. App Cleaner. Don't bloody give me something else, thank you. I don't no, see it. Hmm? On my Mac, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. Maybe it's maybe it's not in the App Store. Maybe I've got it somewhere else. Hmm. No, it's not we, sure. we, all, we all know that bloody Apple's App Store certainly is diabolical. Um, well, I think I think what I'm going to end up doing is um, uninstalling Bridge again and try reinstalling it. Yeah. Uh, if if it would be nice if um, Bridge, it's not Bridge. If it would be nice if Proton Mail would come out with an, an actual app for Mail on the Mac, like they have with uh, iOS, and that would make people's lives a lot simpler. <laughs> it might mean you're running two or three apps to get mail. Yeah. Uh, it would be lovely if it actually would open up in Spark. You should be able to link it to Spark, because Spark, in Spark, based on Thunderbird. Mm. Well, maybe I have to look at that and see if I can do that, get it into Spark. Because it, I mean, it, it does say it needs a bridge to work with mail. Yeah, and yeah. Thunderbird, and, and stuff on the Mac. Yeah, it needs stuff on the Mac, well, for maybe, sure. Well, maybe have a go at getting it into Spark, see if I can get it into Spark. But I'll not do that in the uh, But it's, it's been, it's just been frustrating this time round. Yeah, it happens like that sometimes, though, doesn't it? I mean, don't get me wrong. I, on the whole, I don't tend to have many problems upgrading. No, well, what, what I'm going to end up doing is, uh, if I can't get it sorted, I'll, I'll uh, book an appointment when I'm on holiday at the Genius Bar, and I'll just take the Mac Mini in with me. That's the beauty of it. You can just cut yeah. it in. Yeah, they, they'll, have the, they'll have a keyboard, mouse, and a screen to plug it into and see if they can figure it out. <laughs> It's not. It's not. It won't be a network thing, you know. It's not something that's got to be done in the house. So they they could have a look at it. See, okay, here's the problem. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. If it comes to it, that's what I'll do. Anyway, nothing of the problems. 
No, I say it, it is it, it is an issue though. It's an issue that Apple really ought to take seriously. I mean, I understand. Mm-hmm. I, as I say, I fully understand the need for security and all that sort of stuff. But if it does make using programs really hard, that there there ought to be an easier way of of if they're if they're signed, there ought to be a way of them bypassing. You know what I mean? Mm. The, the trouble the, the trouble <clears throat> is. I, I can see two things there. That if one one is related to Jim, and that is Jim jumped straight from Mojave to Big Sur. Yeah, didn't have Catalina in between, and Catalina introduced a lot of this stuff. Yeah, that's true. And Apple have said that they are aiming to kill kernel extensions altogether, system extensions, because they want the OS to be. Well, you know, that's sacrosanct. that's fine as long that's fine as long uh, as they offer the functionality that people need to do the things they need uh, to do. Uh, <laughs> well, this is the problem, right? Right at the minute, that's where they're going, but they have not yet constructed an alternative framework. Well, for a layman. You know, we, we're we're okay in the sense that we're, we've got a wee bit of knowledge of Mark and the problems, but for for someone who's just come into Mark and especially an M1 Mark, and they're getting these constant extension me, uh, menu warnings, you know. Well, that, that uh, yeah, but that. Yeah, they're not going to get you those, got, are they? Because they're going to sit there and say, what the heck's all this? No, but they'll be using all the built-in software. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The they won't be is... adding stuff and, 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 and secure email clients and things. And mm. um, I mean, the um, the sort of things that need kernel extensions are things like parallels and or virtual box, although there's not a virtual box for M1, but you know what I mean. Mm. It's things like parallels and audio hijack and they're specialist tools and the sort of you know, they're not the sort of thing that Joe Bloggs is likely to be wondering worrying about. By the time mm. you've got to the level on the whole that you want things normal that require that, you've either got people who can tell you what to do or know what to do. Um one of the things about uh, the changes to security is um, uh, with the iMac, the new iMac, they've changed over to the fingerprint uh, recognition way oh, of logging nice. into the to the two, you know, not the base one, but the next model up and the, the higher yeah. models. Yeah. Now, I would have thought it would have been better. I presume Apple is doing this simply because they don't want to go down the route of what Microsoft have done with the face recognition. Well, it's just, you know, Apple being Apple being individual or not, I don't know. But um, instead of putting a, uh, a camera, which they've got already built in, with Face ID uh, to open up your Mac, iMac. Yeah, that's a fair point, got, although they'd have to no, upgrade. If they were going to use Face ID, proper Face ID, they'd have to upgrade the camera, wouldn't they, in the Mac? No, no the, the, the new camera is a 1080p camera. In the no, no it's, it's not about resolution. It's about face mapping and all that sort of stuff. So they need oh, all, right, right. they'd need all the hardware to actually work out you whether it's a three D U. Yeah, but um, they've got it. They've got it in their um, phones, so it can't yeah, be yeah. that big. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's oh, not. No, it's small. Yeah, but but the, the the point I'm trying to get at is if if you if you're like me, you do a kind of job where. Um, your hands get covered in paint, or you work with sandpaper, and your fingerprints get rubbed off, or yeah, it would you've been, been using glue in the house, or something, and you go to switch on, you know, log into your computer. It won't you recognize your, your finger. You don't have yeah. to use it. No, no, you don't. I mean, no, you don't have to use it. But it, it just seems a bit daft having it on a keyboard that's separate. Yeah, and it I agree. Been the, I, don't, the I, don't under, I don't understand why they haven't put it in the Mac. Why, yeah. why would you not if you could? No. Mm-hmm. 
don't really understand cost, that. I suspect. I suspect well, that the true depth camera array is actually a fairly pricey piece of kit. Do you think? Mm. I don't know. Maybe. What? Half the cost of the phone? <laughs> I mean, you're well, paying no, quite a lot. Well, you're paying quite a lot for your Mac anyway, aren't you? So. Uh... Well, that is true. That is true. I mean, it's you know in a similar price bracket as one of the top phones, isn't it? Or it's not like more... it's not like they've got to actually they've got to redesign the they'd have to redesign the case, but they were doing that anyway. It's just um, you've, you've got it in your iPod. You've got it yeah. In it's your only iPod. a matter of fitting the electronics into the into the Mac. So, oh yeah, it, I agree. It just seems annoyed the mission. It does, but there you go. Then maybe the mm. next ones will have it. It's a typical <laughs> maybe. way. Yeah. You know, add something, then add, you know, and everybody goes, why didn't you put Face ID in it? And then the next one, oh, because you all wanted Face ID. Here you go. Here's Face ID. Right-o. Here we go then. Three, two. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. 